Uh, without further ado, we are in our, our, our series, The Good Work. We're in week three. Week three of The Good Work. And, and I hope that you begin to be challenged by this because there's a good work that God has established that He has put in the hearts of every one of us, every one of you. It's not just, not just for pastors or, or ministers or leaders of a church or an organization or anything like that. We are here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. There's a work of the ministry that has been embedded in your DNA and your soul, and you've been created for that work. And your, all of your misery will be uh, around trying to find that work, and all of your joy will be around having found that work and being established in that work and letting that, that work establish you for who you've been created to be. And so we're, we're pulling out of a story of Nehemiah, but any time you step out to do something different, any time you step out to do something that's going to make a difference, any time you step out to do something that will last longer than you, there will be opposition. You can expect opposition. You can expect obstacles. You can expect resistance. That is the one expectation that you can have when you step out to do something different. It's all throughout Scripture. It started in the beginning of time. Uh, Adam and Eve. Adam, Eve was not Adam's obstacle. Satan was Adam and Eve's obstacle. I just want to plant that into marriages real quick. Moses had Pharaoh. David had Goliath. Jesus had Herod. Pharisees. Sadducees, Jewish leaders, he had the devil, he had demons, uh, Batman has Robin, you, you, you have somebody, you have something, you have some situation that you're going through. Nehemiah had Sambalat and Tobiah, and that's a story that we should all, you'll find a connection with anytime you step out to do something that is different from your surroundings. Now, Nehemiah, we, we've discussed, is, there was nothing but a cupbearer. Now, he had to be trusted. He must have, must have had integrity. But he was born into slavery. He was born into bondage. His people had been brought into exile some 140 years before. He was in a position of having no position. He, all he had was some passion. He was just a you and a me. A regular guy. A regular gal. He was a, a Kevin. A Delaney. A George. He was just a regular individual who found passion and a burden over some news about his hometown, the place that he'd never seen, but his people were from. Get this, be mindful of this. Now this is a geographic location. Now it may be a geographic location for you, but it might be that because we are from another kingdom, it might be that you have a burden, and I'm hoping you carry a burden, because this worldly kingdom looks nothing or looks little like the kingdom from which you are now from. And so there may be a burden inside, and there may be a gap that God has awakened you to fill, to bring change from his kingdom to this worldly kingdom. And so all the burdens are stirred up from that place. Now, Nehemiah, he, what he did was he inspired people to attempt. He, what he attempted to do was, was something he knew he couldn't do it on his own. He couldn't do it on his own. So he had to inspire some people. What did he do? He went back and he first had to rebuild the gates. First, we gotta, we got to rebuild the places where people come in and go out. Whether they could come in or go out of those, uh, we don't know. 
But what we do know is not only were the walls torn down, but the gates of coming in and coming out. Here's some of the gates, the sheep gate, the fish gate, the valley gate. He had to fix the horse gate. There was water gate, and then there was the dung gate. I'm telling you, you don't want to live by the dung gate. Now, all these were specifically designed for, for in, inside, coming inside, egress and ingress through these specific gates for these specific categories. I don't even know if, if, you've, if you've been there, when you go there, we're going in 2021 in June. I've been there in 2015. You know that there was, you'll find that there was people living around these gates. I don't know if you want to live around any of these gates. But there was a gate called Beautiful. And that was, that was, there was a lot of amazing things that took place at the gate called Beautiful. That's the gate you want to hang out around because there's a lot of healing going on. There's, there's pools there's, there's pools of healing there. But these people were not masonries. They were goldsmiths. They could make a nice necklace, but I don't know about hanging a gate. I don't know about, about building hinges for a, for a large swinging gate. They were, they were perfume makers. They might have smelled really good at the time. It probably helped because, according to Nehemiah, they never changed clothes for 52 days. Somebody, hallelujah. They were merchants. But they were making progress. They began a good work. He inspired them. They began to make progress. They began to think from the place of, I don't know if this can be done, to maybe we can do this, to, hey, this is going down. This thing is happening and it's going down. We're actually doing it. That's the, that's the things that happen as you begin to walk in your purpose. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if it can happen. Wait a minute. This thing's, this thing's actually taking place. Then you get to this place where you're confident, this is going down, baby. I don't know what you're saying. This thing is happening. I don't care what gets in front of me. But when the work goes down, opposition shows up. Amen, Amen to that. And Nehemiah 4 says this, When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Now, feeble, in, in the context, in, in the word, the Hebrew, means like a, a flower that has been cut. It's, it's on its way to dying. It's feeble. It's weak. It no longer has life thriving through it. What are these feeble Jews, these dying, dead, long-gone Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? Burned as they are, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their, their wall of stones. Isn't this something? When somebody starts talking negative, somebody else wants to jump in and get on board with that. Instead of something positive taking, when positive things are taking place, when change starts to happen, instead of people immediately jumping into, yeah, that's great, let's make change, the first response is, yeah, right, let's see if that's ever going to take place. It's in the heart of humanity to find, to first have that negative response and then try to find some kind of proof to be positive. Am I, am I wrong? Am I, you hear somebody start to step out, your first thought is, yeah, right. We'll see it. We'll see it when that happens. But when the work goes down, opposition begins to show up. And maybe maybe you decide to do something. Maybe maybe you start to find a little bit of faith and, and you're, you're, you're starting to talk to your surroundings. And you're saying, I'm going to step out. I feel like the Lord is doing this. And all of a sudden, boom, the first thing you're going to meet is resistance. 
Maybe you go to church, maybe it's been COVID-19 season for some time, and maybe you go to church for the first time in a long time. And you're, you're trying to get there. You want to be on time, but you're so used to staying in bed funky and not taking a bath in the morning and watching online or not watching because you're even late to online church. You're running late to get to church, and then you start fighting with your spouse, and all of a sudden you're cussing each other out, and then you finally arrive and like, what are we doing? Oh, we need some church. Get quiet, because you know I'm talking to you. Now, maybe, maybe you're deciding this year we're going to get out of debt, and then all of a sudden, boom, car breaks down. You're going to find some resistance. The first thing you're going to confront is resistance. Maybe you start serving on Sunday. Maybe you start serving Sunday. Yes. Hallelujah. Maybe you start serving. And then you're, it's your first weekend to help Shakibia with the kids. And some kid had an upset stomach from Fruit Loops and pukes all over you. And you're like, see, this is why I haven't served in the five years I've been going to church. <laughs> Resistance. But you got to do something that's on your heart. When you do something that's been on your heart, you tell one person, and they'll say, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. That's never going to happen. That's not, are you sure God's telling you that? Don't, don't be stupid. Don't think that that's going to happen. Don't be surprised when you face opposition. Advancement. There's opposition on that wheel right there.
make you feel good, but not enough to really change anything in this world. Not enough to really affect what God is doing, maybe in your church, maybe in your community. Not, not enough to really make any transition for anybody else. Maybe not even enough to change the deep cycles, patterns that have been in your life for generations, if not in the last 10 years. Don't, don't mess with that stuff, because that's when opposition starts to rise up.
Well, oppositions that start to rise up. You're too old. You're too young. You're too inexperienced. You're too negative. Let me tell you that. You're too negative. And you don't know my God. Come on. That's what you got to say. You don't know my God. You don't know what God can do in me. You don't know what God has done. You don't know what I've seen God do. And if he can do it there, he can do it in me. But you try not to be moved by praise or criticism. So I'm not going to let the praise go to my head. And I'm not going to let the criticism go to my heart. I'm not going to let people's praise go to my head. And I'm not going to let people's criticism get in my heart. I'm going to safeguard what God is creating. I'm going to safeguard what God wants to do. I want to safeguard what my Father is saying about me. I want to safeguard what God has purposed me for. I can't let it get in my head when everybody's celebrating and it's all triumph. And I can't let it get in my heart when people start to criticize, when opposition starts to rise up. And a thousand opinions come my way. Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what you do. Here's what you shouldn't do. No. Let me see what the Father's saying. praise or criticism. And Nehemiah knows he doesn't he doesn't answer the critics. He answers to God alone. What did he say? Why should I come down off this mount, off this off this wall? Why should I come down off this wall and answer you? Instead of engaging in lower level conversation, Nehemiah turns to a higher higher power. Instead of engaging in back and forth conversation, he just turns and looks to the Father. Look at this. Nehemiah 4.4 4 says, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. There wasn't room for creative critics to get into their hearts because they were doing the work of God. There wasn't room for the critics to get into their heart because they were doing the work of God. Sometimes we make too much room for critics to get into our heart because we fail or we don't stand up or we don't get busy doing the work of God. And so while we're not doing the work of God, we're creating opportunity for opposition and we let the criticism get into our head and then begin to change our hearts. But if you get up off that seat and you start doing the work of God and you start submitting to the work of God and yielding to what God wants to do, the criticism is no longer leading you and Lord over you. Let me say it this way. The criticism is no longer your idol. Because for as long as opposition and criticism is keeping you from doing what God has purposed you for, criticism and opposition is now your idol. Because it is leading you. There wasn't enough room for the critics to get in their hearts. They weren't lowering themselves to the petty things. They had a higher calling of doing the will of God. What happens whenever there's going to be controversy? You rise above. You stay above reproach. When people start to talk down, they start to talk negative, and they start to try to bring you down, we're going to stay above. We're going to rise above it. We're not going to come down and answer it. We're going to stay on top. We're going to hear from the Father because the moment you come down and you try to answer some criticism or some opposition, now you're getting down on their level and you're in their little realm of understanding and your mind is even blocked from being able to hear from the Father. It's blocked from being able to do the rise above and do the will of the Father because you're stuck down here in criticism land. Come on. So we pray as if everything depends on God and we work as if everything depends on us. That's what Nehemiah showed us. He prayed as if everything depended on God, but he would rise up, stand up, 
book, Nehemiah 14, says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. When you start doing God's will, this is exactly what happens. You start to look at it and say, wait, it's too big, it's too much, I don't know if we can handle it. And it starts to stretch you. It starts to challenge you. Then the progress it, the progress brings on more challenge. And then it starts to stretch you even more. And then it gets the you out of you and it makes room for more of God in you. Nehemiah 411, 12. Also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them. And put an end to the work. Well, the threats just start getting louder and louder and more, trying to become more of a distraction and more harsh and more, like, ah, no, you don't. You notice what it is, is it's, it's one level of resistance to another level of resistance. And the more you keep doing the good work, there's another level of resistance. Listen, it's not going to stop. You just keep doing the good work. You keep doing the will of the Father and what He has told you, called you, and inspired you to do. It gets louder. Wherever you turn, they will attack us, what they said. We see Nehemiah's people start to doubt. They're not just doubting what others are going to do. They're doubting their own ability to get the job done. Anybody ever doubted their ability to do a certain work? Yes. There's a lot of liars out here. I don't see it. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yes, thank you. Let's be humble a little bit today. Is humility all right in the church? Yes. Well, thank you, Lord. They weren't just doubting what their own, what others would do. They know they started doubting their own abilities. Well, I don't even know if I can do this. I don't. I mean, that's just. I don't know how to do that, Lord. How? Why are you? Why are you going to call me to do something I don't know what to do? No, that must not be the Lord. The Lord wants me to stay in my comfort zones. I know it. I know He just wants me to do what I've been going to school for for thirty years, and I've been practicing for, and I've been training for. It, it's, this is my only lane. This is no Lord. This is what you want me to do. I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm going to wait till you get into alignment with what I want to do. Then we can move. I'll be ready for that. When I see you move in my sight, I'll move. If you move outside of here, that must not be you, Lord. It must not be you. Of all types of opposition, they had external haters, they had relational haters, they had spiritual haters. But most difficult to me is this. There's always that internal opposition. I'm going to be real. There's that internal opposition. The voice begins to lead to who do you think you are? It's your own voice. Who do you think you are? You're just one person. You'll never make a difference. And if I'm being completely honest, the biggest battle I have is that internal voice that says you'll never be good enough. They'll find out all that you've done in your past. And they'll never listen. Yeah. You really think that God is going to bless that? Those internal voices that, that echo inside of your soul, they haunt your soul. But here's what I've realized. The external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities will allow them to be. The external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. That criticism out there means nothing if that insecurity in your heart is not giving it life. So the problem out there is not out there. It's the insecurity that has yet 
to be overcome that's right here. And when you start to again overcome these insecurities right here, you no longer hear the obstacles, the opposition, the distraction, the, the resistance out there because it's not a place of resting in here. There's confidence and boldness and courage of what God has done and what God can do and what God will do. And you have experience in history knowing that you have heard the Father and you know what the Father wants to do. And most importantly, He wants to get you out of you so He can get in you. And you've got to get the insecurities out of you so you can get the confidence and the boldness and the courage of the Father in you. Man, I speak that with passion because that has been my life. And the only way we're going to wake up and change the world is if we get that in the depths of our understanding, our minds and our hearts. And this is why we put our hope in our, in our God. This is why we don't look to the, to the right or to the left, but we stay steadfast focused on what God is doing right in front of us. What God is doing right in front of us. And the moment Nehemiah started to battle his own insecurities, he took the focus off himself and he put it back on God and his mission. There's a distraction coming. I can't answer that right now. I've just got to go spend time with the Father, and then i got to get back to work doing what the Father is saying. The moment that starts to attach to my insecurities, I start to get led over here away from the Father. I start to get led over here away from the purpose. I start to get led over here away from the work. And now I start to sit down in my seat, and I start to turn into a, a, little, a little caterpillar. A little worm, a little roly-poly, and now, now I'm no longer being led by the Father. I'm no longer responding from the Father, but I'm being, I'm being led and controlled by some criticism and some opposition because I have got to let go of some in, in, inside insecurities. Nehemiah 4.14 says, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great. And awesome. Take focus off of self and put it on to God. This isn't our battle. This is the Lord's battle. Why are you trying to fight the Lord's battle? You let the Lord fight that. You just do what the Lord has called you to do. It's the Lord's battle. He is with us. He is for us. Greater is He who is in you than who is in the world. Come on. He is a fire by, by night and a cloud by day. He will lead you. If God is for you, then who can be against you? Who can separate you from the love of God? When you start to know those things and internalize those things, and those things are fighting your insecurities, you are steadfast on all God wants to do. You remember the Lord your God. How he, remember how He rescued your ancestors, our ancestors from, from the Egyptians. You start to remember how he split the Red Sea, how he, we, he helped us to cross over dry land. You start to remember how he led us by that fire and he provided manna in the desert. You start to remember when God helped restore my marriage. You start to remember when God started to help us through our finances. You start to remember when you started giving and God started being even more generous back to you. You started remembering when you started serving. Yes, there was opposition, but then God started to change the life inside of your own family and your own home. You start to remember the time when you gave your life to Christ and Jesus just came in. You sat down and kneeled down one man or one woman, but you rose up a different individual. You start to remember when you got baptized and it was no longer you who lived but Christ who lives in you. You start to remember the things that God did to glorify Himself in you. You start to remember those relationships that God began to give you that were straight from the kingdom and they had 
ministry or this business or this this whatever this mission trip. And God just comes out of nowhere and shows up for it. And all he needs is your faithfulness and your consistency. He needs somebody that are going to get out on a limb, going to walk past their comfort zone and get out and get stretched so he can meet you along the way, so he can stretch you for the next thing. He needs some people of faith. Why Jesus says, if I return, when I return, will I find anybody of faith? Remember that there's been difficult times, and this difficult time you're facing right now is just something that is future and pre or present that will one day be history. You need to remember that God is already fighting the battle that is right in front of you. You need to remember when your heart starts to get a little bit achy and panicky and a little bit stressed that God has already won this thing. He just has to win some insecurities out of you. You need to remember what He has done in the past. You need to remember the history that you have already and look back in such a way that the confidence from the history and the overcoming and the success and the provision that has been back here is the same that is going to be right up here because God is a good father and he never lets his kids down. you got to remember those things. you got to remember. If it matters, it's going to be a battle. And you will face opposition. Something I tell myself often, I put it in me since, I want to say it to you. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. If I'm not ready to face opposition while being obedient to God, then I'm not ready to be used by God. You will face opposition for following the Father. Jesus faced some opposition for following the Father. But if you're not willing to do that, then you're not ready to be used by God. And I don't think anybody shows up to church not desiring to be used by God. The question remains, are you willing to face the opposition for obedience. Remember the Lord. Remember how He fought, fight, fights for you. The greater the opposition against you, the greater the opportunity for God to fight. And when something touches your soul, what are we going to do? We're going to sit down. We're going to kneel down.
I know this is speaking to every insecure, the insecurity of humanity. The reality is we've got to overcome those insecurities, those hindering blocks, those, those stepping stones, those, those things of opposition, those blocks of opposition, of resistance. There's nothing anyone can say to keep you from doing what God has called you to do unless there is an insecurity connected to it. So, Father, help us to overcome the insecurities. Help us to stand firm in the face of opposition. Help us to not be distracted by the criticism, to not look to the left or to the right, but to be steadfast on you. Help us, Father, to see what you are doing in the moment, to help us to understand the history that you have made with us in the past, whether it's through your word or whether it's through experience. Help us, O oh Lord, to put that into the future so every obstacle, every opposition, every critic, every sense of roadblock and blockade in front of us is faced with an internal knowing that God has got me through it once. He will get me through it again. In Jesus' name we pray. I just want you to keep your head down right there where you're at. Because this is, this is just real moments right here. And these things are important for you. Because I know God is speaking at insecurities right now. And when I was speaking, I know God began to show you a moment in time when you fell to opposition, when you gave in to criticism, when resistance started to confront you and you began to pull back rather than to push back. And I want you to do this. If you're ready to take that step forward, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right now. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to come up here and give testimony. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that. This is between you and the Lord. But I want you to make a physical move towards God that says, I am ready. I am ready. I'm so over opposition. Thank you. Thank you. There's hands in cars. There's hands in the tents. There's hands around. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Because it's time for a people that are tired of the resistance controlling them, the opposition keeping them from being who God has called them to be. It's time for a people to rise up for the purposes that God has truly created them for and be 100% confident in it no matter what any person say, whether it's family member or pastor or ministry leader or friend or grandmother, whatever it is. 